God's word for us today comes from Psalm 119, verses 121 through 128, 148 through 152, and 153 through 160. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commandments. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, for the law that you have given us, not only in writing, but also on our heart. May we live by it well and honor you through it. Thank you for the conviction of sins that we have through it and the guiding paths by which we may walk in a wide way because of them. Thank you, God. Bless your servant this morning as he expounds upon your word. Bless us as we hear it. May our ears be opened and our hearts be softened. May we walk away to glorify you as we go through our week and to bring the good news to those who do not yet know it. Amen. You may be seated.
to some other places, and while we are loath to give him up, uh, it's only fair, right? He should uh, go and uh, learn some other things and serve in some other places, but we're grateful uh, to have had him in the way that we have over the last two years. Speaking of last, we're coming to the last message that we are going to be doing with regards to Psalm 119. Uh, and, you know, as we started off this series, our, our goals were, at least my goal was, to just to increase our, our love and our affection for God as we experience it through his word. You know, we've been singing that song each week, the lovely source of true delight. Uh, it's just such a positive song, you know, as we think about the, the delight that we have in the Lord, as we think about how we meet him through his word, uh, when our comforts droop, sin and sorrow rise, all of those different things. And uh, so my continued prayer is that uh, there would really be that yearning uh, to meet God through his word. And we've seen, in, you know, from the big picture that we meet the heart of God as we come to the word of God, uh, down to some very practical things. You know, how do we think about our emotions? You know, what do we think about purity and how do we live within the world? Uh, today, we are going to be looking at uh, the, the cries for justice that we see in this particular passage or in this particular psalm. I don't know what you think of when you think about justice. Uh, some, it can be very practical. Uh, I think about young kids and you, know, you get in a fight with your, your brother or your sister, your sibling, and they started it, but you are the one that gets punished. And, and you feel that, that injustice that uh, comes up in the world, or, or maybe you're a part of a team and somebody's messing around and the whole team ends up running suicides. And as you're you know, dragging and your tongue is lolling, you're like, this is not fair. You know, there is a sense of injustice with regards to that. For others of us, you know, we hear the word justice and we are immediately turned off. Uh, our, our society has been so filled with, with talk about justice and we're tired of it and, you know, it just, it doesn't seem to fit right and, and how, do we, how do we begin to deal with that? And the answer is not to turn off. Uh, the answer, of course, is to say, okay, let's draw closer to God, because clearly this is something that is important for him, as we're going to see as we walk through the passages that are before us today and, and sort of look out a little bit broader. Uh, this is something that is very, very close to the heart of God. We are actually in the next couple of weeks going to start a series on Exodus 20 to the end of the chapter, which is kind of where we left off two years ago, if any of you uh, remember that. And, and we're going to be coming back. So as I was thinking about this, preparing for this, I was realizing like this is really a setup for a lot of the stuff that we're going to study in, in Exodus. And all that to say it, is it's throughout the scriptures. Uh, this, these uh, themes of, of justice uh, and what that means, righteousness. So let's dive into it today and, and see if we can understand it uh, a little bit more clearly as we come to Psalm 119. These three sections that I have for you today, I and Kofin Resch, 
uh, really all of them start out with the need for justice. If you look at the first two or three verses of each section, you'll see that there is this, this cry, I've done what is just and right, do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge for good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for fulfillment of your righteous promise. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you to save me that I might observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn, cry for help. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. According to your justice, give me life. Look on my affliction, deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause, redeem me, give me life according to your promise. And on and on it goes. These are the, the cries of a person who is experiencing need. Now, we have to be remember that we don't just interpret these uh, spiritually. Sometimes when we read the scriptures and, you know, we're in the Psalms and some of the, uh, the more poetic parts of scriptures, we, we tend to assign a spiritual need to that. And we certainly can. I mean, there is a sense in which we are needy spiritually. And so as we read these things, we can relate to that. But, but these are, this is a psalmist who is reflecting real-world experience, uh, real-world experience where there was a sense of lack, a sense of need uh, from a variety of causes. When we look at the scriptures, uh, biblically, there are a number of different ways in which we experience uh, the kind of need that requires justice or righteousness. Some of it is, is just due to um, calamity that comes upon the world. You know, I think about, I think about, uh, I remember several years ago that tsunami that ripped through the world and, you know, parts of India and all of that and just the tremendous need that was caused. And more recently, we just think about the pandemic and how it's affecting different parts of this world in disproportionate ways. Nobody's fault. Uh, nobody did anything wrong. There's just simply calamity that causes the kind of need that needs intervention. Uh, it needs somebody to, to raise a mighty right arm. It needs somebody to come in and to intercede on behalf of somebody else. Oftentimes, it's the oppressors. You've heard that there in the passage, those who oppress me, the insolent who oppress me. Uh, there is the sense of somebody taking advantage of somebody else. Um, and so, therefore, intervention is required because oppression is being perpetrated. And, and then thirdly, biblically, we, we see this as well. A lot of the wisdom literature talks about this. I think about Proverbs, you know, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Uh, there is personal responsibility. Uh, there is a personal failure on somebody's part that has left them in a difficult situation that they require somebody to intervene in order for them to have any sense of equilibrium, in order for them to be saved. And it's important that we keep all of that in mind because oftentimes when we start into conversations about justice, we can assume that it's 
only because of something outside of them that has worked on them, or it's only because they've done something wrong. But the Bible helps us to see that there's a variety of causes uh, that, that leave a person in need and in need of intervention. Uh, secondly, I think we see that, and this is all in this, this cry for justice, the lack of justice that we feel, uh, secondly, just observe that the way that we treat them, particularly in, in this society, um, oftentimes is a bit reductionistic. Sometimes it's because we don't realize the varied causes. Uh, other times it's because uh, we're not really looking at God's standard, but rather we are applying our own standard. Very helpful uh, article, uh, Reverend Tim Keller uh, did a, a critique of biblical justice. Uh, it's, it's not super long. It's very manageable. So it definitely is dealing with some big themes. I recommend it to you. Uh, he highlights in there sort of, you know, as we look at sort of current justice theories, uh, four, way, four things that are emphasized. Uh, there are some justice theories that emphasize freedom, individuals' freedom, as we approach uh, problems, need of intervention, what is the thing that guides us? Well, it's, it's, the, it's the individual freedom of self. Others uh, uh, emphasize fairness, uh, that as we approach justice, we need to think about what is fair for everybody, and, and that then is the highest value. Uh, a third will say happiness. Uh, happiness, you know, if, if if everybody can achieve the maximum level of happiness, that's, that's the, the standard and where we need to be with regards to justice. And others will say power. Uh, if, we can, if we can deal with the inequities with regards to power or the oppression that comes in with regards to power, then we will then be dealing with justice. Uh, and I think as I, I say those things, freedom, fairness, happiness, and power, you can probably think of different ways in which they are applied to current issues and events, and uh, we begin to process through them. All of them have, have things to commend them. You know, as we think about this, all of these are important um, pieces to what it means to be human, uh, what it means to to live in a just society, but, and I think it's important to say, none of them are exactly what the Bible, or maybe none of them are completely what the Bible talks about when it talks about justice. Uh, for one, I think each of these series, you know, each of these theories, and I'll just go very quickly through this, you know, focuses too much on, on the individual self. That, that really shouldn't be surprising. I mean, we live in an age when, you know, the, the rise and triumph of the modern self is the title of a, of a recent book by Carl Truman. Uh, but, you know, just the title alone, you know, the rise and triumph of the self, it, it's become preeminent uh, in everything. Uh, and, 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 but biblical justice is not solely concerned with the self, it, it, of course, is based on God's character, you know, which is much broader than any individual person. It's what we've been seeing in Psalm 119. As God is talking about justice, he's displaying his character to us. 
Uh, it, it deals honestly with the human condition um, there and, and recognizes that when we come to these issues of justice, there are, there's this complex set of circumstances that are contributing to it. There's social, there's environmental, there's, uh, there's sin issues that are involved with our hearts, and it's very honest with regards to all of these things. And, and biblical justice as well uh, provides sort of a, a more complex understanding of of the world and its goods and who owns them and what relationship we have towards them. And uh, all of these are, are insufficient uh, in and of themselves. And, and the needs that we have demand something that is bigger. So what does it look like? What is sort of justice's lane? You know, we've been talking about keep me in your steps, keep me on your path. I walk in a wide place. That's what uh, the scripture says God's word gives us. So what does that look like when it comes to justice? Well, the biblical terms for justice, you find it in verse 121. There's, there's primarily two of them. And by looking at them, we begin to understand the, a more complex understanding of what justice is. I've done what is just and right. Uh, verse 121, you see this grouping a couple of times uh, where we have read earlier, um, justice is turned back, this is Isaiah 59 in our declaration of forgiveness, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. Two Hebrew words, the first is zedekah, uh, righteousness, zedek, the right, uh, and, and the second is mishpat, which is often translated uh, justice. Uh, Zedekah also can be translated justice. Uh, and different times throughout your, your scriptures, you'll, you'll see that it is translated that way. Other times it will be translated righteousness. So what do we mean by these two terms and how do they help us understand a more full-orbed uh, picture of what justice is? Well, Zedekah is uh, having to do with sort of these interpersonal relationships that we have with one another. Uh, when we see, uh, and oftentimes the, the Bible gives the, this picture of the oppressed, saw it in the passage in Deuteronomy 29 where, or 27, where it says, do not pervert justice for the sojourner, the fatherless, or the oppressed. Uh, the, you know, we have this, or, or the widow. Uh, so that's like the, the triumphant or, or the triumvirate, the, the threefold picture of the oppressed. Um, and, and there is a sense in which we help them. A and that is, that is part of justice. And that's this righteousness part of it, the zedekah, uh, where we intervene in somebody's desperate situation. So whether it's come about with regards to um, a natural disaster or something that has occurred in a person's life or even when they are guilty, uh, when you see that there is a laziness or a sin issue or something that has gone in somebody's life, the Bible calls us to intervene and to be gracious and to show mercy to them. Sometimes we talk about this in terms of mercy or compassion, grace, uh, but we have to understand that when the Bible talks about it, it's talking about it in terms of the zedekah, the, the righteousness 
Uh, there is a standard that we are adhering to as we step into somebody's life, uh, and, and that is part of what is called for us. Uh, so secondly uh, is mishpat, and mishpat is a little bit uh, fuller, uh, a little bit, well, I guess it's just different. It's, off, it's used over 250 times in the Old Testament. Uh, it, it usually is translated justice, uh, and it has a couple of aspects to it. It has the aspect of judgment. Um, so if you look at like Psalm 82, uh, you see a passage there where it says, God has taken his place uh, in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? This is what we often think about when we think about justice, uh, that the, the wrong are getting what they deserve. Uh, there is an aspect of, of retribution here. There is an aspect of, of paying out. And, and this is an aspect of what mishpat is, judge rightly. Uh, make sure that those who uh, commit the crime are punished for uh, the aspect or they bear the consequences of the crime that they have committed. But then there is also a sense where mishpat is used that it is uh, more less retributive and more distributive. Um, we see that even in that same passage in Psalm 82 where it goes on in verse 3. It says, give justice to the weak and to the fatherless maintain or defend the right of the afflicted and the destitute, rescue the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Uh, God's people are always called on to advocate. Uh, and, and this is tied up with in, in what it means to do justice. You know, so as we think about what it means to, to be God's person who is going to stand for justice, it, it, it means that we advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. So again, that, you know, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, these are, are people who had absolutely no voice in society. They, they didn't have a place, they couldn't go into courtrooms, they, uh, they, they couldn't, they had no access to anything. And, and over and over again, and we're going to see this when we go back to Exodus, Deuteronomy 24, you've got a whole sort of miscellany of, of laws and case law that talks about advocating for those who cannot advocate for themselves. And it's always tied up with the notion of justice. This is the full orb picture of what justice is. This is, you know, when, when the psalmist is crying out for this, they're keeping in mind all of the factors that have brought them to the place of need. It's keeping in mind a, a full orb picture of, of, who, uh, of who they are as humans, and it's asking for God to intervene in this full orb way uh, for, for new life. And I think it's an incredibly hopeful thing. Um, new life is always possible. Uh, this is one of the ways that Christian justice um, is distinct. 
When many people talk about justice, it talks as if they're talking about group versus group power struggles. Uh, but we all, uh, and, and we all just have to armor up for an endless war. But when Christ, when God is talking about justice in his word, he's talking about something that is much more comprehensive and much more doable. But this is where the question is, okay, how do we do it? If that, if that is true, if this is the vision that God is giving us for what justice is, like where, how do we do that? How do we maintain that? I mean, this is a very complex world. What, how do we enter into these conversations? How do we give this positive sense of justice? And this is where we come to what I'm calling justice's Lord. There is a connection, and we see it here in this passage today, between justice and love, particularly between justice and the steadfast love of the Lord. Look at verse 149 on the passage that you have printed for you. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. Here, here the psalmist, using that Hebrew parallelism, uh, talks about, you know, hear my cry according to your steadfast love, according to your justice, give me life. There, there's almost an equating of these two, steadfast love and justice. We see it in, in a different way in, in between verses 149 and 159. Here he says, O Lord, according to your justice, give me life. In 159, he repeats that idea, give me life, but this time, according to your steadfast love. And, and, and so you see that when, when we're talking about justice, we're talking about something that is laced, that is filled with God's steadfast love, with his hesed love, this, this love set in concrete, this covenant love. And, and several weeks ago, we said, you know, you cannot understand Psalm 119 apart from the covenant. And you cannot understand Psalm 119, especially apart from God's willingness to step in and keep the covenant on our behalf, to keep the requirements of the law on our behalf. And, and of course, when we begin to understand this, we begin to get uh, some sort of hope. We begin to get some sort of uh, belief that we could actually be a people who reflects justice in this world. We sang a little bit earlier that arise my soul arise. Uh, and, and throughout that song, there's just this theme of justice's demands being met that we can stand with confidence before God. Uh, why? Because he bears the wounds, the five bleeding wounds that, uh, that pour effectual prayers on our behalf. When we come to the cross uh, of Christ, we, we see the type of love and justice uh, that the Lord is calling for from his people and the Lord is inviting into this world. In the cross, we see all of the wrath of God, of course, against sin. God is just. He must punish sin. There is right. There is wrong. 
and, and our, our sin cries out for satisfaction. God can't just sweep it under the rug. He can't just turn his back on it and forget about it. But he is willing to step into that, to take that sin on an innocent person and to punish it in order that we could be given mercy. And that's the picture that is given to us. So Psalm 85 verse 10 talks about steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness, zedekah, or, or justice and peace kiss each other. You know, this is the picture that we get on the cross, and this is the really, really hopeful picture that we have for this world. Uh, the hopeful picture that Christians have with regards to followers of Jesus have, that we can actually see justice that isn't solely concerned for self, that goes beyond just the needs of my own tribe, uh, but sees something that is hopeful for the entirety of the world. One writer uh, puts it this way, he says, It's good to have a, di a deep sense of justice. This is a gift from God. But if we have a deep sense of justice without a deep love of grace, we become dangerous. Uh, and, and this is where the cross meets us and says, you, you have this. You know what this is. You of all people, if you are a Jesus follower, if you love the word of God, you know what it is to, to stand sort of in the crosshairs of justice and then also to be given grace. It's really interesting. I mentioned Deuteronomy 24. There's a whole sort of uh, group of, of various laws, laws about uh, servants, laws about when you give your neighbor a loan, um, uh, very similar language to we heard from uh, Deuteronomy in the, in the call to confession. In verse 17 of Deuteronomy 24, it says, you shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment in pledge, um, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord may bless you in the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward, for it shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. It's so interesting, you know, the way that the Lord keeps bringing in uh, these two topics of justice and mercy, justice and steadfast love. And these are the things that lace together that give us a very hopeful, a very uh, winsome, I think a very engaging way to go about the world. And this is very practical stuff that they're talking about. You know, here they're talking about loans. They're talking about uh, the ways that we feed each other economically. I mean, they, they didn't really have, they weren't a cash-based system. So when they're talking about olive trees and olive oils and the sheaves, I mean, that, that's money. 
that they're talking about there. And the Bible is giving sort of a different view of how we are to think about our goods and how we are to invest them. But it always comes back and reminds us, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, uh, but you've been given mercy. You've been brought forth, how much more so in the cross. Um, A couple of of quotes for you that that may be helpful. just with regards to this, this love of God. If there's any hope behind, beyond rules and shame, I haven't found it anywhere else. The love of God for wayward sinners made in his image is the only thing that I can think that can move the, the needle uh, for the unjust, uh, the shame mongers, the self-righteous, the unrighteous, Uh, People like you and me, it's the only thing that will move the needle in this society. You do not necessarily need the church or religion to participate in acts of justice. Appeal to the rule of law, the language of individual rights, it it may move the needle of the American Democratic Republic towards a more just society. It cannot, however, move the needle towards a more beloved one. I think that's the challenge for us as we come to this as a church, as a community. You know, what is it that we are going for? Are we going for sort of a bald sort of justice that can be defined uh, by those who aren't followers of Jesus? Or are we looking for something uh, that is the full orb picture of God's heart? Are we looking for something that moves us Uh, into waters that can only happen supernaturally. I think that's one of the things that I've been challenged. You know, does my life, uh, is it it lived in such a way that I can only do it relying on the deep, deep mercy of Christ? If I can do it in my own power, I'm not sure that that's deep enough. I'm not sure that that is, 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 is where God wants me to be. He wants us uh, to be in a place that is dependent upon his power, to be so desperate uh, for it, so needy of that power. Then we are trusting in the Lord our God. So here we are, the end of our studies of Psalm 119. You know, has has our hearts have our hearts been challenged by the love of God? Have our have our hearts grown in understanding His His greatness towards His people? All of these different areas and all of these different ways. That is my prayer. May it be so. Will you pray with me, Father? Thank you uh, for our time together this morning. Chance to dive into. This, this issue just briefly, Lord, we ask that you would continue to uh, apply it to our hearts, give us the grace. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who longs for justice uh, and who learns to lean upon you in ever deeper ways. Father, we, we pray that you would help us in the name of Jesus. Amen.